Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Legal Wolf Podcast, a discussion on all things mental health created by mental health attorney and advocate Stephen Lawler from the UK. I'm Wendy Lynn Decker, mental health advocate and author of Sweet Tea, a young adult novel inspired by true events growing up with a single parent with mental illness. Today, we have our guest, uh, the uh, wonderful and talented and multifaceted Katrina Stroll. And I'd like to say welcome, Katrina, and thank you for being on our podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited about the, the increase of spaces to talk about mental health. So I'm really excited to be here. Well, you know, you're a great guest for us to have because you have a podcast also. And um, could you tell us a bit about what you do? Um, um, just explain, um, tell us about yourself <laughs> and your podcast. We'll start with that. Tell us about your podcast. Awesome. So I'm a certified career coach and an HR consultant who also hosts a live weekly podcast entitled Absolutely Not. It's circa it circles around setting personal boundaries at work and your ability to advocate for yourself at work, whether it be through the means of your mental health conditions or simply saying that I can't work past five o'clock because I have a child that I need to tend to. Those boundaries are so important and they enable people around you to build healthier relationships with you. That's great. And um, that's, you know, um, being that I am from another generation than, than you, um, I did not experience any of that in, in my culture in working when I was in um, large corporations. So I think this is definitely needed and it's great that you're you know offering this um, opportunity for people to learn and, um, and, and have a better understanding. Uh, can I ask you, um, how did you get involved with um, being, um, why is mental health important to you? Um, what initiated this? journey for you? So my mental health advocacy kind of stems from my own experiences, but mostly when I started my own practice in career coaching and consulting, a lot of my clients did not have healthy boundary setting skills. They weren't able to tell their managers, no, I need to know what the next three months are going to look like for me and my development. They weren't able to have those conversations. So I decided to create a resource and kind of advocate for mental health through that resource by just putting those skills on display from different faces and people with different mental health conditions. What were some of the, um, the issues that you came across where people felt that they wanted to share, but were fearful of sharing or yourself? or your um, people you worked with? So for myself, um, in 2018, I decided to take my own life after having been diagnosed with PTSD and major depressive disorder and alcoholism. I then went to my organization and said, okay, great, I have these conditions. This is what's going to have to occur. I have to go to these appointments weekly. Thank you so much for understanding. Unfortunately, that discussion was not met with positive um, responses. They immediately crossed my boundaries at every take and it made me feel as though I had no place in that organization and I had no place on this earth. So I decided that I could no longer be here. Um, I just don't want anybody to have to feel like that. 
Oh, that's it's a horrible way to feel, especially when you're you're being vulnerable. You're you know you're opening yourself to someone and letting them know that you have some things that you you know you need to be understood about you in order for you to um, do your job well. Um, can can you give me an example of how they treated you when you first um, brought this to their attention, an employer? Absolutely. So when I first told the organization, and mind you, these are new boundaries that they weren't aware of before, because these are diagnoses that I recently received. So when I went to them and said, okay, now I have to go to therapy weekly, and I also have to go to group therapy weekly. That's two one-hour um, appointments on my calendar every single week. They did not appreciate that. Every single week, they would ask me, what are these things on your calendar? Because of course it doesn't say I'm going to therapy, I'm going to group therapy. And I would have to remind them every single week, I am going because of the diagnosis that we've already discussed. And over time, they simply continued to have negative responses. You're not earning your paycheck. You're not worth being a part of this organization. They even gave me lower performance evaluations because I wasn't there as frequently. Um, and these are things that everyone see, sees whenever they set new boundaries. So, okay, I'm going to compare this with a physical ailment because without uh, mental health, there is no health. I mean, it's all together. Um, so if you had to leave work to go to the doctor because you needed your you know, weekly transfusions and the only time that you can go to get those is during the day because the doctor's hospital hours are nine to five, um, they would have probably been okay with that. Am I to think, I mean, I'm just assuming. So when you told them that there, did, did you have a, some kind of an agreement where, um, yes, you are, are you taking part of a comp time or using part of personal time? Or were you going to make up the time that you would have to leave your job? Did you present all of those facts? Mm -hmm. So I was actually a part of a salaried position. I was a, in a salaried role. So with the comp time, all of that didn't really matter. I was on the clock 24 seven anyway. And I would definitely be working outside of our working hours. But regardless, I was a salaried employee. And the time that I was taking away from it, I'd come back and make up for it. any other time they would call me on the phone or what have you. But that organization was a real eye-opening eye experience because it, it was the first time I was able to say aloud, this is not something I can change. And a lot of us out there believe that we have the ability to change entire cultures on our own or change people's perspectives of our mental health conditions on our own. And it just simply isn't something that we can undertake on our own as an individual. Now, this is true. Um... And so we're, I, I'm assuming, again, that you were the first person in the organization that ever had something like this brought to their attention and that you needed um, them to work with you and they just were closed-minded. Is, is that's the case? They were just closed-minded. And there were other people in my organization and my department who had physical and visible elements who, rather than taking the time they needed and setting those healthy boundaries, would just kind of go with the culture and show up to work anyway with a broken leg or a torn ACL or a broken arm. And they would just continue to give a thousand percent to an organization that didn't really care about them. Wow. So you're saying some of the other employees, they struggled with their own issues, but they were even fearful to 
bring that to their attention because they you, they didn't understand that either. They just didn't care, basically. Well, it was a part of the culture at that organization. It was something that was praised. Look at Johnny over there. He has a uh -huh. broken leg and he has crutches and he's still fixing jets. Why can't you be here for those two hours every single week? Oh, I see. So they shamed you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's really, I mean, everybody has their own um, comfortable place where, you know, I mean, I, that's why a doctor will ask you on a scale of one to 10, what's your pain? I mean, my daughter goes to the dentist and she doesn't get Novocaine. Uh, you clean my teeth. It's like, ah. <laughs> so, I mean, how can you, you know, you can't gauge one employee's um, handling of their physical or mental situation to another one. Everyone is a different individual. So um, I could see that, you know, that really caused a problem for you. Um, how long did you continue to, to stay before you realized I, you know, this is not working for me. I can't be in an organization like this. So about a year after I was diagnosed and started being very open about my mental health conditions with the people in my department, I left the organization. Um, I honestly wanted to stay in the organization, but it just, it would not align. It just would not work for what they needed. And I want a lot of people to take that away from this discussion is there are so many systems out there that would like for you to believe that there is only one way to live. There is only one type of system that you need to be a part of and one type of organization that can deliver you a paycheck on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And that's just not true. The fear that you feel of being honest and authentic and setting those healthy boundaries is what abusive relationships are built on. They mm -hmm. want you to be afraid that there's nothing else out there for you. And I'm here to tell you there is. You know, that's a really powerful statement. Um, and I was just um, listening to something about fear and you shouldn't let fear be the driving factor for anything in your life. And it often is. And I mean, for instance, you know, not having that job, um, if you can't pay your bills, um, that is fear. Um, and uh, I don't, you know, I don't have an answer for that um, when there's somebody in this situation. I know growing up, I uh, had a mom, single mom, and she had to withstand all kinds of abuses because she had three children at home to care for. And, you know, I, I, my heart as a grown, grown woman now goes out to her because I, you know, I've done things that I've had to do uh, because of, you, you I need to support myself. Um, but year after year after year, and if in a culture where you're just constantly being told that, you know, you, you don't matter, you just do what we say, because this is the way we run it. And not having that um, something, someone like you comes, you know, coming out and other people uh, now trying to break the stigma, it was so, so difficult for people in that, that time period. So um, I commend you for, you know, bringing this in, into the forefront. Um, there's, there's so many questions I, 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 I want to ask you. So, so that was what, what um, jump-started your desire to, you know, help others um, in the same situation as you by, um, by, by career coaching, or that came first and then came your podcast, or? And I think they both came around the same time. I think a month after I started my own practice, the um, Absolutely Not podcast began because 
I just didn't want people wasting money with me, not wasting money, but spending entire sessions with me going over a simple skill like setting healthy boundaries. So can, can you um, explain how one can set healthy boundaries? Absolutely. So I have a method that I use um, and I talk about frequently at organizations. So if you need someone to speak about healthy boundaries, I'm your gal, but it's called tea time. So the T stands for time. The E stands for emotion and the A stands for action. So when you feel that tug on your heartstrings, when somebody crosses your boundaries and it could be anxiety, it could be um, you felt disrespected or you just feel uncomfortable in an organization, you go back to your desk and you write down T-E-A and you say, okay, what time did that happen that I felt uncomfortable? What was the emotion that I felt when I felt my heartstrings being pulled? And what action caused, caused that emotion? So when you have those three parts to the tea time, then you go back to that person that caused the action and the emotion and you have that conversation, hopefully over tea. That's really awesome. Now, did you create this as you were going through this in that organization that you left? And um, So I actually created this acronym not too long ago when, when the first organization asked me to come talk about this. And I've been using it ever since. I should add that A is actually a two-part process. So after the action, you need accountability. And that accountability is on both sides of the relationship. So you need to hold yourself accountable when you have this tea time and say, okay, Jeff definitely doesn't care about my boundaries. What do I, what am I going to do next with this information? And you also need to hold Jeff accountable and saying, okay. Jeff doesn't respect my boundaries. I no longer will work around him or in projects with him until he does. That's great because when you come up for an evaluation, you have your journal here of all the tea times you had to take. <laughs> and then you could back up your, your reasons for feeling the way that you do or feeling that the way that they feel about you is not representing what you or who you are. I love that. I really love that. I'm going to remember that. I wish I knew that at my last job, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's great. So um, let me, tell me, tell me more about the, um, the podcast. So I specifically bring on special guests from different backgrounds and more so from marginalized groups, brown and black employees are often marginalized, discriminated against and victims of racism in all types of organizations. So it's important for us when going into organizations to ensure that our values align and that we're able to set healthy boundaries there. All those healthy boundaries create healthy relationships. Those can be blocked by racism, sexism, ageism, and all the other isms. So when you, um, I, I, you know, like I said, I watched some of your podcasts and I know you talk about um, uh, letting an employer know right up front who you are, what your needs are. And um, what if, uh, you know, an employer doesn't uh, respond to that? How do you know it's because of you, um, because of your needs, or it's just because they don't want you? And how, how would you handle that? So in a lot of my trainings, I talk about the crystal ball. It's important for us to not put on the hat of a magician 
or a fortune teller or anything. Our job is to keep ourselves safe and comfortable in organizations that we enter into. It is not our job to predict what they're going to say or how they're going to take our healthy boundaries or the questions we have about their value system. They can react however they like, um, but we need to, if we continue to be fearful and kind of predict like, okay, I know that this organization is very high elite. And if I talk about my mental health conditions, they may not hire me. When we do that, we are once again, suppressing ourselves and not keeping ourselves safe. So we're just, you are encouraging people to not think about all that stuff. Just think about you and what you need and, and what you can offer, of course, because you're being interviewed for a position. So you wanna share all of that and, and assure um, a potential employer that despite what you're sharing with them doesn't take away from your ability to be the best person for the job. Yes, Wendy, yes. <laughs> you know, I'm learning a little bit of something. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's interesting um, and it's a great, because for me, I mean, I have dealt with ageism. Um, I even wrote a, a piece about I'm, I'm 50 and still kicking. I mean, I'm, you know, I can't even remember the title, but it's on LinkedIn um, because I really felt that I was not even getting, I mean, when you fill out an online application, they want to know what year you went to high school. I mean, that is not irrelevant. I mean, I'm sorry, that is not relevant. Okay. It's, just, it's not. Um, and any, I, I went to college at different times, so they wouldn't know how old I was based on my college, but by my high school, most likely that's, that's the kicker. If they can't ask how, um, what my birthday is on the application, they can ask what year I graduated high school. And I felt that that was something that just kept getting, you know, in the way. Um, so really that's probably something separate than this because you haven't even met the employer yet. So you can't even say, um, let them know what you feel is some, a trigger for you. Like someone might, and in a situation at work, it's um, many people talk about, well, someone older, they don't pick up uh, technological skills too quickly. And I might say, you have no idea the technological skills I've picked up in the last several years. So don't lump me in with that. And um, so, you know, that's a bias because of age. And um, in an interview, I might, how, how would I preface that? Like I'm triggered when you um, say something about, you know, young people are so tech savvy. Hmm. Well, that <laughs> is a great example of tea time. So you would go back to your desk if you're not ready to have tea right then in the moment and say, okay, during the daily meeting or during the time that you were training me on this new software or what have you, I felt disrespected and kind of um, taken aback by your statement of young people are so tech savvy. Um, it, moving forward, if you could not say that again, or if you could watch your biases, is there a reason you feel that way? Then you sit down, have tea with them with the script that you already have listed out. All right, that's good. Now, also, um, some there's you know a lot of the reason you do these, um, you, you're preparing uh, this conversation in the workplace because there's other abuses going on where someone is um, not they're they're being told that they've done something or they didn't do something and that's not accurate, mm -hmm. and you have uh, the term for that. Um, can can you um, expand on that? 
<laughs> so gaslighting is the manipulation of other people's realities. It's, um, it's a way to make sure that the other person on the other side of this conversation does not believe what they actually experienced. For example, if I told you, Wendy, hey, I didn't mean it that way. Old people, yeah, I didn't mean it that way. It's fine. That would be me trying to gaslight you and manipulate you into believing that my statement wasn't harmful to you. So even if they didn't mean it that way, the fact is it was harmful. I felt it that way. So you can't dismiss my feelings. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if you didn't mean it that way, you could come back and say, I didn't mean it that way. But if I made you feel uncomfortable, I apologize. That and would be. Um, here's the thing. They definitely did. This is no, there's no way around it. The statement that you were saying was targeted towards a certain demographic that you, Wendy, belong to. So that's gaslighting, even in, that's why that phrase is gaslighting, because you're trying to make me believe that you didn't mean it in the context that you did, but you did. Gotcha. Did you know where gaslighting came from? You probably it's did. It's an old movie. It's, old. it's a movie. <laughs> and yeah. And I, I watched it last year for the first time because I'd heard about it so many times. And, and, but I didn't realize like the term really came from that movie. It, it was, did you ever watch it? I haven't watched it yet. Watch I'm, it. I'm fearful. Is it, is it triggering? Is it? Um, well, maybe, maybe a little bit, but for me, it, it helped clarify that I'm not crazy because I've been gaslighted. I think we all have. I mean, obviously it's, it's a very familiar term and it's, it's being used regularly now because it is so, um, part of our, our culture and has always been, um, that movie just gave it a face. Um, um, so, I mean, you know, it can trigger, but for me, it really helped me um, say, wow, I'm not crazy. And that was a good feeling. So it validated my, my feelings. So I guess it depends, you know, where you, you are. I needed that. Um, you already, you're already good with yourself. I, you know, I'm still, uh, I'm still learning, uh, even at my age. And I could say that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you should never stop learning no matter what age you are. So, um, Oh, wow. Okay. You got a lot of really, really good stuff here um, for employers and, and for employees. Um, so um, let me ask you, um, you know, when you started this um, journey, uh, it was because of the way that you were treated in your position. Um, overall, since you've been uh, um, having the podcast and talking to many, many people who are mental health advocates in the workplace and in and, and, and any other area, um, um, how do you feel on overall in the, um, where you are in the United States, which, um, where, where are you? Oh, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. So, um, okay. That's, um, for viewers all over the world, that's the, the Southwest of the United States. And, you know, Steve is based out of the UK, but he's reached over 45 countries. So, um, it's hard to know, um, where everyone is. So I like to give a little, you know, uh, idea pinpoint uh, anchor for us uh, where we are. So um, what is the culture, overall culture like in the workforce there? Is it, um, I mean, obviously there's issues just like there is everywhere, but is, is it different there than um, someplace like New York City? I don't think it's different here than anywhere else in the United States. I think here in the US, we are really behind on mental health. And having talked to Steve, um, I learned that even more so. His, um, in 
his country, they are progressing and trying to move forward with it and have great advocates like Steve in place to do so. But in the US, um, it's becoming kind of trendy. And I hope that we stay true to what it's actually about. It's also becoming very much blended with wellness, which is still part of mental health and diversity inclusion initiatives which is great, but I just want to ensure that everyone in the United States makes sure, hey, there are still people out there with mental health conditions who are still being chastised and um, that stigma still takes place in the workplace. So I truly and firmly believe that it should be something separate and a kind of a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, after speaking with Steve and listening to uh, many of the people that he has had on the podcast from all around the globe, I definitely see that we are behind. And, um, and I, I hope that it's not just a trend. I really, and, and that's what Steve's goal is to, you know, using someone like me who's here in the States who can talk to someone while he's sleeping because <laughs> he has to sleep, the guy has to sleep. Um, it's uh, really, you know, gonna keep snowballing and keeping it out in the forefront because um, we don't want it to just be a flash in the pan, like, okay, now everyone's well, because we talked about it and, you know, bury it it's that's just not the case this is a part of the human um per, the human i mean we have psychological physical it all goes together and we have to pay attention and um give people um time and and and, and comfort to be able to talk about that um so um let me see i have a lot of different questions um so let me um what if the what are the odds against someone in the work okay Wait, I'm going to back up. Um, okay. So how would someone open a conversation with an employer they had not previously shared their boundaries with? So you suggest that if you're going to start um, going to apply for a job and you have an interview, you let that employer know what your boundaries are uh, aside from what your skills are. But what if you never did that? And then all of a sudden um, you... Um, now you've, you've met the employee has watched your podcast and they're saying, wow, they, you've been gaslighting me. You've crossed all my boundaries. Um, I've had tea time with myself <laughs> and, um, and this is not an employer that I guess it's kind of like you, um, what you experienced. So, um, but they've had this job for a long time and they've also have a family they have to support and the fear, which I know can't be a driving factor, but you can't dismiss it. Fear is a part of, you know, it's, it's an innate feeling. We all have fear. We have happiness, excitement, joy. I mean, there's, it's still a feeling that is there. We don't want it to, um, you know, be our motivation or not motivation, but it is there. So how would you handle someone like that? Well, not handle them, just encourage them um, to handle the situation. So for everyone out there listening, I am no, I am in no way saying to go into your job and say, I knew it, this place is toxic, it is awful, I'm out of here. But it is a part of the A part, accountability, that if you come into new information and you know, okay, this place is toxic, I am being gaslit, and they are dismissing my conditions that I have shared with them, then you need to reach out for support and help whether that is a therapist, a career coach, or a career strategist, somebody that can help you into creating a strategy to move forward. 
you do not have to quit the same day you find out the facts, but you do need to keep those facts on your paper with your strategy. The reason I'm leaving this organization is because A, B, and C, and I have one, two, three plan in place to move out of it. That's good advice. Very good advice. Um, okay. So do, do you see more companies um, opening up to these important issues um, since you've begun this journey? Absolutely. So they, they, um, the big shift is what they're calling it. And it's moving forward. A lot of organizations are being built around healthy relationships and values in place, specifically in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, a lot more black employees are not taking crap anymore. They're not taking racism. They're not taking the mental health exhaustion of having to code switch or be a different person at and to be able to fit in and do their job properly. They're just not doing it anymore. And the same goes with people with mental health conditions. We're not masking anymore. We're being more open about what we need. And so it's really, it's a really good time for all employees and job seekers because now you can set healthy boundaries without the fear of reprisal or not getting the position. That's at organizations that you know are ready to take on healthy relationships. Wow. Did, did you ever think of putting together a list of organizations that are really, um, you know, forward thinking and, 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 and offering this kind of environment? So I don't want to put together a list because although these organizations may be forward thinking, you still have to practice healthy boundaries. These are still individual relationships that you're having. And although the overall values at that organization may be great and flashy, when you enter the organization, you still kind of have to have that on guard, but you're guarding yourself from harm with your healthy boundaries. Gotcha. Okay, we'll see. Boy, we're covering a lot. I'm, I'm glad. Um, let's see, uh, I didn't want to use my, my, lose my train of thought, thought but um, so um, do you think that um, post-COVID, this has really paved the way a lot, you know, aside from all of the, the issues, like you said, George Floyd and, and all of other things, do you think that the COVID, um, post-COVID, the world will be more accepting too? Because face it, people have really, if, if you had any kind of issues with a mental health um, disorder, this was going to be at its heightened stage. I mean, we all had, even those of us who had, if those who have no issues, I mean, it was hard. It's, it's still hard um, not being able to see your friends, your family, leave the house, go to places you're usually frequented for people that are, you know, out, outgoing. I mean, they're just stopped in their tracks for children. My gosh, I can't even imagine. Um, just do you think that um, the world is going to be um, as far as mental health in the workplace? Do you think it's, it's going to help make it better? Absolutely. And we we're seeing that now specifically with uh, Nomi Osaka. She just set a boundary by saying, I no longer will take interviews or I will not, I will no longer be included in the media for um, the French Open that she was supposed to participate in, but she put her mental health first. And we also see in the great shift, a lot of employers are saying, okay, everybody come back to work. And those employees are saying, nope, there are remote available positions all over the world. This is a boundary I'm setting. I will not be coming back into the office. 
it's great to see and it's so encouraging to other people who are wanting to set those healthy boundaries because the possibilities are endless. You can work somewhere else. And, and, and honestly, a lot of people have been more productive at home too. <laughs> Um, I know I, I, I don't mind it at all. Um, and, um, you know, everyone's different. And I think you should be offered the choice um, because there's a lot of people that are willing to be flexible. And there's a lot of people that are more productive, just, you know, working the way that they have their new style of working. And, um, you know, being open-minded is important. Um, so I'm going to leave the heavy discussion and move over to something fun and light that uh, Steve likes to do at the end of his podcast interviews. And um, I um, chose a light question to ask if you had a superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, I think I had a really good one. I can't remember what it was, um, but I think it would be to, oh, to scream really loud and push people away. I, I saw that on a movie once some, uh, somebody would scream really loud and little sonic O's would come out and people would fall right down. I would love that. I was just envisioning that in my head. <laughs> little sonic things are just yeah. like, you know, they're crossing, but they, they have real strength. You can't mm-hmm. see it but they have the strength just to like, get out of my way. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> yeah, it would certainly be, be helpful to, uh, without having to touch anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Without having to get in a physical altercation if someone's trying to harm you, just to, your yelling would be just enough. Well, that's a great superpower, <laughs> great superpower. And um, before we wrap up, is there anything you would just like to say that I maybe didn't engage with you um and ask you or you know ask you to expand upon anything um, you want to share with I the, think for the anybody out there listening specifically people with mental health conditions i would love for you to take away from this that you are worthy your mental health condition doesn't make you any less worthy you still belong in an organization. You can still contribute. You are still an asset to every single team that you are a part of. And if anybody is making you feel differently, leave them. That's great, great. Um, I, I appreciate that you saying that. And I'm so glad I asked you to say one more thing because that was really, really well said. And um, I hope everyone takes that to mind. Um, it's something myself even um, recently have reminded that I am worthy and I'm capable and um, and those words repeated over and over to yourself, um, word talk works, mind talk, and um, that's really great advice. So I want to thank you, Katrina Stroll, for being our guest today. And uh, you can see uh, Katrina, um, you can see her podcasts at absolutelynot.com, is it? or It's actually at www.katrinastroll.com. And then um, my services are listed there. My sponsors are listed there. My show, all of the episodes are listed there, as well as a long list of mental health resources and therapists for people belonging to marginalized groups. That's great. The resources are are definitely helpful. I I love that. And um, Steve will um, put together um, something that will be the visual with all of your information to go along with the podcast. But I figured I'd let you, you know, say it as well for those who just don't have access at the moment and could hear it um, and go back to it and then write it down. So it was my uh, my pleasure to to speak with you today. Thank you so much. And I wish you well in uh, educating uh, and helping uh, to normalize the stigma of mental health. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.